So Julio, when did you decide to be an editor? Uh, interesting. I think when I sort of look back on uh, moments in my life, I don't, I'm not one that often has like these epiphanies or revelations where the cloud parts and the sun hits me directly and then I understand something. So I think it was a bit of a gradual process. I will say a very telling moment in hindsight was when I was um, in, in film school and working on my very first project uh, as a director, we had to edit our own material. We just shot a little something on a video camera. And, um, and this was at uh, Florida State um, at that school and a uh, great program. Um, but w- so I was in that room and, and I realized that I completely botched a lot of the sound recording, but I had wild lines and I started fitting wild lines into uh, the actor's mouth. Um, almost like a sort of, you know, we've all done this probably at some point. It's kind of like janky ADR basically. <laughs> and, oh, totally. And yeah, it, I, and I realized that after that I was sort of transforming this disaster into something that was slightly watchable, you know, I guess that's subjective, but, um, and I, 12 hours just came and went and I was in this dark little room emerged. It was daylight when I went in and when I emerged, it was nighttime and it was the blink of an eye for me. It was uh, a <laughs> no pun intended, but um, that was a big deal to me. The fact that I felt completely comfortable spending hours and hours playing and that I took to it really naturally. I think, I think that moment was very telling that I would uh, one day uh, take to it, become an editor and feel very comfortable in the role. Um, that, yeah, I'd say it was really over time where, you know, developing a certain reputation of not being too bad at cutting things at school <laughs> and then being out in the real world and, and pragmatic about where to find a job and then realizing, like, that I had uh, completely fallen in love with the actual craft, that side of filmmaking in particular. Right. Like, not being on set, the terrors of, of, of set and, like, knowing that as an editor I, I only had to deal with one or two uh, egos instead of 50 to 70 egos at <laughs> one. It was just, I agree. <laughs> so I'd say, I'd say it was, uh, that would probably be one of the, the bigger moments that in hindsight, cool. uh, was a big hint that I'd be an editor. So I totally know what you're talking about. You know, it's that period of time where you get lost in the flow and you turn to yourself at the end of the day and you're like, where did the day go? Uh, that's one of the things that continues to make me just so in love with the editing process. So tell me, how did you get your start in the actual film business? You know, when I, uh, at some time in school, I, I made the decision that I'd be moving to Los Angeles. Um, I had a lot of friends, a lot of colleagues that were making the same decision and, you know, uh, Clearly, there's a lot of film, television production out here, so a lot of opportunities for work. Um, and when I came out here, it was uh, so my first exposure to it was basically just a hustle, like whatever I could find day playing as a PA, script supervising on shoestring of zero budget films, uh, just anything. Uh, I would uh, uh, sort of, I remember 
working on like for like uh, post production houses, uh, uh, graphic graphics houses, and and uh, trailers, uh, tra- trailer, all kinds of houses. Wow. <laughs> uh, trailer, yeah, just whatever I needed to do to make that paycheck. And slowly, I, I was doing AE work in trailers, and then a colleague of mine hit me up for uh, an assistant editor job for on a on a, a makeover show uh re- call uh, a reality show on the learning channel called makeover mamas and that was i was so thrilled to to sort of graduate from that day-to-day hustle to landing a job that would last several months uh, as an assistant editor i was i was just super thrilled and um basically that yeah that was my introduction is just figuring it out as i went along day by day <laughs> right. Great. That's a great story. So according to IMDb, you didn't have that many assistant credits. You seem to kind of get right into editing. Uh, was that you, you, is that your route? I mean, did you just get an opportunity to edit pretty quick? In hindsight, it might, uh, I guess if you could look at sort of my resume or my trajectory and, and surmise that, but my my time as an assistant editor looms very large for me. It felt it felt like a very long time uh, to me, um, and I you know I did the job with pride, and I did I wanted to be the the best at it I could be, and I basically ended up from smaller um, sort of reality shows, and then like sort of moved up as like uh, a night assistant editor on one show, and then uh, and then the lead assist at, at night on the next show. And then the lead uh, assistant editor uh, uh, during the day on on, on a very very big <laughs> reality show, um, at least budget wise, it didn't necessarily you know make a splash culturally. <laughs> but um, so to me, I was like taking on and doing a lot of work um, as an assistant editor, and I'm very proud of uh, that time because I'm I'm also proud of not only having spent substantial and significant time as an assistant editor. But also in reality TV in those days, and it's still, I'm sure, super challenging. The the volume of material, uh, the number of, of editors that I had to keep happy. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, I was at one point on a show, the lead assistant editor during the day for I think it was a minimum of twelve editors. Whoa, it was me and twelve editors. Yeah, it was. Wow. But I yeah, and then and then and then I was being asked to cut previously ons and next ons. And I, I was like, I don't, I don't know when I'm going to find time. Um, but the post producer was a believer in me, which was really amazing. So he actually would get mad at me. He's like, just do it. And you'll get people want you to do more editing. And I was like, fine, fine. And I'd yell back. And then I went back and I do, I'd edit the next ons and, and work with a producer. And, and um, yeah, it gave you, Slowly, your reputation uh, reputation extends from those successes um, minor, and then they become slightly larger successes. And then, yeah, going from there. And I'd say from those assistant editor days, um, I uh, I ended up ha- – you know what? My The same friend, uh, Eric Sebring, good friend. Shout out, Eric. Um, he got me – uh, that gig uh, on at the Learning Channel, um, and then I think he he was had worked uh, was working on Eclipse shows, um, and sort of you know said hey we're we're looking 
for editors for this. Do you want to do that? And, you know, I, I just took the opportunity. I thought um, it'd be nice, even though it was not necessarily the um, the format that I was interested in, because I was like tried and true, dyed in the wool, like film lover. I'm a film buff, still am sure. a cinephile, can't hold it back. Uh, I do enjoy series uh, and series work, but I'm still just at heart a, a filmmaker and a film lover. Right. Um, so yeah, for that, like that will, that will, that will not go away. Um, and then, uh, so, so, but I, I, even though, you know, the, the clip shows weren't exactly my, my cup of tea, I, I, I took the approach that like one, the paycheck's better <laughs> as an editor and two, I'd be logging hours on the avid, like doing, you know, the same keystrokes, the same pressing the same buttons getting to know the same um, technical aspects of the software slash hardware that I would if I were editing anything else. Right. Um, sure, you, you might extend it, like if something's more heavily green screen, or you might it, it might um, be a more extended skill set in one direction or the other, but the basics are being logged extensively. So so I took that opportunity, and uh, and, you know, I'm grateful for it because put a roof over my head, paid the bills, kept me in kept me in Los Angeles. Um, and I, and, and you I, learned uh, a lot. All, I learned just an enormous amount, an enormous, like, like every day is about what I'm going to learn. It still yeah. is. I'm a student. Uh, I'm student of the craft. I'm a student of the form. I'm a student of life. <laughs> and, 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 um, yes, I learned just a prodigious amount of practical information um, as, as well as like muscle memory for keystrokes, building the speed on, you know, mapping my keyboard in a hybrid, weird individual fashion. And then, and then like, no, just those keystrokes are like built into me. I don't even like, they're not now they're like, I'd probably do it in my sleep on my pillow, like you know, <laughs> during certain nightmares, you know, <laughs> but it, it was terrific. It was a great, great, uh, it was a great opportunity to, to grow. Cool. So how did you make the transition from, you know, reality based stuff, clip shows to scripted? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, so I think back in the day, it was a little more rare and I think it's happening more frequently now. And I think for good reason, because you have, uh, you have folks that are dealing with high volumes of material. They're getting work done quickly, developing chops and that pipeline is opening up because people realize that that talent can transfer to the scripted realm. While I was doing it and knowing full well that deep down I felt sort of alienated from from some of the material that that in the fact that I wasn't working on movies, I wasn't working on on scripted work that I deep down that that sort of burn, that drive, that desire never went away and in fact intensified. And and so the big reason is 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 one keeping the desire not letting not letting that candle blow out in the in the in the in the rainstorm you know what i mean and then uh on top of that um my my good friend and uh, from school and you know happens to be an enormously uh talented director david robert mitchell uh sort of uh tapped me on the shoulder uh one day after being out here for a few years and said i'm finally going to do it I'm making, I'm making my film. And I was like, 
that's great. Like I had edited his uh, uh, thesis picture at Florida State. Um, uh, we had been producer, director, swapping for each other um, uh, as classmates, we, and, and we were pals. I was fully supportive of David, uh, you know, as a friend, of course, and then um, as an artist. Uh, and then as a pre- professional, I was a little bit like, okay, I've been, I've been making good money working on these, uh, you know, on these reality shows and, and this budget's going to be shoestring on the film. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure, man. And, and, and David sort of turned to me and, and was, uh, was like, Julio, uh, this is, this is going to be good for you. Like, this is, I think we're going to make something special and, and it'd be good for you. And, and I was like, yeah, man, you're right. You're right. So he, he's, you know, he, good filmmakers, good directors have ways of selling their vision and, and, he did for me. And so nights and weekends, uh, I would, um, w- work on the, on the film. Uh, I would, so I would like, you know, I would felt like I was living two lives, like some sort of uh, nerdy superhero. Like during the day I was one thing was, uh, you know, doing my, my, uh, clip show editing. And then at night I'd be working on gentle, you know, sort of, uh, observational art film, uh, lovely little gentle, uh, pieces. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so we did that and, um, that's commitment, became, man. Oh, I mean, but here's the trick. It's interesting because that became a little bit of a, a little bit of an indie darling at the time, a festival darling, uh, especially when it got into South by Southwest and then, and then can the can film festival at the international critics week. So oh. that's where the sort of momentum really started to build and even with that so you add a little bit a little bit more you know add a little spice to your reputation it grows a little bit more and then other people are interested in in working with you um but then what's what's interesting about that is that i did that for that film where it was like you know i did it for the love for the commitment for the being working on something that i really believed in and and with the filmmaker that i i uh really believed in and continue to believe in this day um and i've done i did that for three films um well technically uh, there's a fourth but i i worked on three films for zero zero dollars uh up front and um and then of those films one of them and night and nights and weekends too, mostly, or, wow. or I'd use vacation time, vacation time or unemployment time to, to finish <laughs> off, finish, finish off the, the film. And then, um, uh, so for three of them, and then one of them, uh, uh director Chad Hardigan, who's a great guy, he, he said, Hey, uh, look, uh, distribution, uh, gave us a check. We finally got some, some money coming in. So for my third film that I, d- I worked on that way, uh, ended up getting a check for uh, $100. So, <laughs> so that was Whoa. that was pretty special. Yeah. And then the fourth one uh, actually has a very different trajectory because that's Malcolm and Marie where uh didn't, you know, worked for zero uh, worked for zero up front. Wow. But when you have yep, yep, just we went for it and uh, we all, sh- you know, shared in it, but when you have, you know, luminaries like uh zendaya and john david washington uh and and sam levinson there's you know it's it's a it's a different ball game than when you're in your true hard scrabble indie days so to answer your yeah yeah so to question to answer your question directly um basically doing that 
film, Myth of the American Sleepover with David, David Robert Mitchell, was my my springboard. That was my starting point. But there was t- there was years of uh, of sort of like being in this gray area of still working in reality and clip shows and then also working in independent film. Right. So you didn't quit your day job. I did not. Yeah. I kept cool. my day job. And the first time I was able, and it was, it's a big milestone for me in my heart and, and professionally was the first time where I worked on uh, essentially an independent film, a documentary where I got paid to work on it. And that was, um, the documentary, uh, Dior and I about Raph Simmons doing a haute couture collection at, at Christian Dior. And that was, uh, in New York with, 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 uh, I worked on it in New York with, uh, Frederick Cheng as a director and, and he edited as well. But that was the first time that I worked on a film and was actually compensated while I was working on it. And that was just, it just the, blew my mind. It was just the biggest deal to me to finally, to finally be there. And right. then from then on, it, it was, it's just, you know, uh, keep on going, keep grinding, you know, uh, people, you know, wanting to work with people and, and crossing your fingers that they want to work with you and, and, uh, and getting lucky and working hard and all of it. <laughs> right. So cutting these shorts and freebies really helped you as an editor. Um, and developing relationships with directors is so important. Um, so tell us about how you came to work with Sam Levinson and uh, how did that relationship develop? So, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I'd say uh the main reason to work on a short film would be the development of a relationship. And that's just, that's just about, to me, that's just about the only reason considering the, uh, the fiscal upside or, or what it does for a career. Um, but it, yeah, those relationships are everything. Um, so with Sam, um, uh, a friend of mine uh, reached out saying that, that he was busy, but, but he knew of a filmmaker, uh, looking for a recut uh, on a picture. Uh, and then I believe my agents also had an inquiry. So I, I, I actually heard from, from two sides there and, and it, and it turned out to be Sam for a film called Assassination Nation. There's, uh, you know, the film was, was interesting. I watched it and, and trying to decide whether I felt like I could contribute to it. And, and I did. I was like, look, this has got some really great stuff in it. I think I can, you know, find, you know, help simplify or figure it out for them. Um, help figure it out. And yeah, the, the prior editor, uh, Ron Patain just did, did phenomenal work. So obviously, um, I, I sort of built off of that and, and, um, and a, a lot of his work stayed in there because, you know, it was terrific. And, and I just sort of helped clarify a few things and, you know, did, we ended up doing some extensive, uh, intercutting and things like that. Um, it brought in some scenes that, that were, had been gone, uh, lost some scenes that were still in there. And then, uh, we just developed a, like an immediate, immediate rapport, um, that, uh, you, you just connected, like, and, and I think, um, I really appreciated what he was trying to do as a filmmaker and the fact that he has this sort of, uh, audacious sort of bold approach to, of making movies in, in a sort of like, um, an American tradition that I think is like, maybe doesn't isn't holding together as well as I, I, I wish it was right now in this moment in filmmaking. 
um, that uh, I, I was thrilled by it, and uh, and like we like saw eye to eye, and so from there, um, that collaboration was brief but really really uh, substantial, like really brief but pithy, <laughs> um, and uh, they brought up at some point during that is like, hey, we're, there might be a uh, something going on with HBO, and and you know what, like what do you think? Uh, and you know, it's, you're in Hollywood for a little while. You hear a lot of projects that might happen and might not happen. And, yeah. and who's, you know, you're never going to be like, no, no, I don't want to. <laughs> right. So, so I was not really expecting much out of it, but wanting to like clearly d- like deeply wanting to work again with Sam and, and then with Kevin Turin, his producer. Um, I, I, I was, I was like, yeah, you know, cool. You know, hit me up. Let me know. Let me know what goes on with that. And, um, from there, uh, yeah, it actually happened. Uh, you know, it went to, you know, the HBO, you know, said they were going to do a pilot and the show's called Euphoria and there you have it. Uh, they, they honored, they, they asked me to work on it. I said yes. And they, they came knocking and I was like, absolutely. I'm on board. I am. Ride or die. <laughs> <laughs> that is so nice. And yeah, you're right. When you hear about something, but then it actually comes through, uh, it's a rare or it's a really good feeling. Um, and by the way, I, I love assassin, Assassination Nation. Uh, I thought it was a great film. And uh, I just love uh your work with Sam, it's just really distinctive. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this with you. So tell us about the challenges on Euphoria. How, how did it go? How was the first season? Wow. So, you know, the, the first season was, I mean, just massive, epic, an incredible, an incredible experience. I mean, flat out one of one of the best experiences of my life and, and like crafting something in, of su- on such a scale with so much, uh, um, artistic audacity and, and, uh, and, uh, daring do, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Um, uh, so it, it, it's like, it's, it's a defining moment for me and, and a deeply, uh, rewarding one. And also one of the scariest moments <laughs> of my life professionally because hmm. it's just it, there's just so many moving parts and and having to figure out how to you know get it all together and and you know taking it really seriously that you knew that Sam was writing these great scripts mm. uh just putting it on the line like every day he put it on the line to make something unique and and fresh and you know uh I'll be damned if I'm going to be the one that messes that up you know so I like <laughs> You know, so it was, it was an enormous challenge. There's moments that were scary, whether, you know, are, are we going to make our air date and, and things like that, that were, um, things that, um, also weren't necessarily, um, things that are deeply ingrained in me because I'm, like I said, uh, before I'm first and foremost a filmmaker. I, I, I work on film. So, uh, series work, I'd done it once before on a Netflix picture, but series work, was, you know, it, it's not deeply inculcated in me. Hmm. Um, but I felt like, yeah, but we brought a very, on purpose, a very filmic sensibility to the show, not just in presentationally, but also just the attitude, the, the way, to stru- how to structure a department. I, um, like I, 
I've taken cues from the documentaries I worked on and how collective and thrilling that collaboration is in an editing room with multiple people working on the same film at the same time, multiple editors. And I loved that spirit. And I wanted to take the, the essence of that and sort of sprinkle it on the euphoria editorial team. Like just give us a very, uh, very permeable um, sort of, boundaries i mean we knew our boundaries but but like with in the collaboration like very permeable like we would we would visit with each other and hop in each other's rooms and show each other cuts and and uh listen to each other very uh closely and 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 respect um our takes on on each episode um so so yeah that it was it 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 was awesome it was it, it will i'm i'm you know yeah honestly is a freaking blur and i yeah. barely remember it yeah no uh working on a show of that caliber it stays with you forever and that experience you know and thankfully for you it was also uh, a good one not only rewarding creatively but you know a great team and stuff like that and again it's one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you because you know, it was so bold in every way, not only script and characters, but camera work. And I really felt every every episode was incredibly cinematic, like a little movie into itself. So, yeah, you should be you should be proud of that work. Oh, thank you so much. Ah, like I profoundly proud of it. I um, I I feel uh, blessed and lucky to, to be a part of it. Um, I, I, that's. I, I so appreciate your kind words. Like, um, I love that you respond to its bold cinematic quality because that's what attracted me to working with Sam in the first place. It's what Sam does. Yeah. Uh, he's got cinema, he's got cinema in his DNA in multiple ways, literally and figuratively. Right. And, and, um, but it's there in his soul. Like he is, he is, uh, he is built to to take on the challenges and to want to do it in the form of uh in some sort of filmic form even if it's a series and and he can't help but test the boundaries and figure out artistically like what's going to thrill people what's going to thrill him and and um yeah it's uh uh it's it's definitely super gratifying and and rewarding to 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 be on this ride it's terrific and 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 thank you so much I, that's yeah. really kind of you no, I mean, that's one of the things that attracts me to you guys' work is that, you know, the style is so distinctive and it's rare. It's rare these days. I mean, so much, uh, you know, is cookie cutter and factory kind of like churning shit out. So let's talk about your workflow with Sam on Malcolm and Ree. Um, How different or was it different than your collaboration on Euphoria? Well, so with Sam being a uh, showrunner and often director on Euphoria and then uh, and writer, uh, and then writer director on, on Malcolm Marie, there was a lot of, um, let's say there's a lot of overlap, a lot of similarities in, in our interaction, uh, uh, fundamentally, um, in, in the editing process. However, um, they, they couldn't be more different in other respects. Um, one of them, you know, Euphoria was a, a big show, an ambitious show where we had, uh, we had a, a team of three editors, um, three assistant, uh, four assistants, because we also had a, a script sync, uh, evening person. Uh, and, um, it's a big team with post producer, coordinator, PAs. Um, whereas 
um, with Malcolm Marie and, and we were working out of Sony, uh, Sony picture studios, uh, in Culver city. And then Malcolm Marie was, was two, two of us. Uh, and I was in my dining room, uh, <laughs> editing and my assistant editor, uh, Nicola Boyanoff shout out. And Nicola is the best AE in the world. He's fantastic. Um, he was working from, from his apartment. So, and then, uh, we'd use team viewer and hard drives and, um, you know, uh, so sort of, a software that, that, that would, yeah, it, it, look, we were prepared for it. Like just being, uh, independent, independent film, again, independent filmmakers at heart, uh, since that's built into us, um, you know, one of those things that you learn is adaptability, flexibility, being uh, extemporaneous, spontaneous in the moment, being able to shift when the winds shift. So, you know, those skills, even though it's like sometimes a hard, hard scrabble come, you know, coming up early, uh, the ability to do that early doesn't go away. It's ingrained in you, you know? And, right. and so, yes, yeah, Sam figured it out. He, he, he wanted to get something done. And I was like, hell yes, let's, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, it was, we made it, it's another independent film that happens to have brilliant stars in it, but like, right. um, but it's like at, at its core, an independent, uh, independent film and independently done project. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah. So, so it was just like hard drives in my dining room. I had an avid, uh, rented, uh, a very lean avid, uh, setup, um, that was resembled, so sometimes, uh, during euphoria, I would edit, uh, on set for certain episodes, like, uh, like episode four, where Sam was really concerned about the stitching up front. And then the overall just sort of, um, you know, once they had that carnival as mm-hmm. a set piece and, and as a production, you know, production, uh, art, art direction, uh, you know, line item, it was a big deal to get, get those scenes while they were at the carnival. So I would, I was editing on set for that stretch. Sure. Um, so we basically took that experience of that sort of lean, uh, avid setup and put it in my living room basically. And that's how we did Malcolm Marie. So the film reminded me a lot of the films of the French new wave in the sixties. Um, were there any particular styles or directors you guys were trying to emulate? I don't think there was a specific discussion, um, as in, Hey, we're going to go after a Mike Nichols feel here. Um, you know, a lot of people bring up who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. I think undoubtedly, like, you know, uh, you could also throw in a woman under the influence, uh, like just about anything by, you know, the long shadow of Cassavetes being cast over American independent film. Um, you know, yeah, I was thinking true. Uh, uh, yeah, like that's interesting because that wasn't necessarily what we brought up, but for instance, Sam and I, we'll have these sort of uh, extended conversations about film and music, just again, film, music, life, culture, what, you know, just sort of when we go off on our, our tangents talking to each other. But so for instance, Truffaut, we've definitely talked about Truffaut because that sort of montagist uh, fluid style of um, euphoria, uh, you know, we discussed Truffaut, Jules and Jim, right. and it's sort of mon- use of montage with VO. So, so, um, these conversations have been had, they're deeply ingrained in, in, uh, my, my cinematic diet, things that I love to watch, 
Uh, Sam has seen so many films as well. It's so fun to talk about things and, and be like, Oh, I haven't seen that. I need to see that now. And, and, um, so we didn't have discussions about how we want, uh, what it needed to be. I think it's kind of just deeply ingrained in, in how we approach why we love film in the first place. And of course you're going to have your heroes. Like you watch stuff and you ingest stuff from your heroes. It's kind of like, you know, you are what you eat. So if you ingest it, it becomes a part of you, like right. and, and a part of what you want to create. But I would say, um, for instance, in in a moment like um, uh, I'm I'm personally uh, a, a, an enormous fan of several French New Wave fil- filmmakers, um, including uh, uh, you know Jean Luc Godard is 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 one of my favorites, uh, uh, Alan René, um, Jacques Rivette, uh, and then um, and Eric Romer. So, I mean, sure. and these are people that I could have long conversations with Sam about any given day. Like we, we will have that conversation. It's like, oh, that's more of a Godard moment right there. <laughs> but um, I'd say where it became relevant for this film wasn't we didn't prep that way at all. It's I think I think it's lifelong love sort of feeds into it. And yeah. Um, and it just kind of, what, it, you know, it imbues the film without maybe consciously, you know, thinking about it. Exactly. But I will tell you where I personally consciously thought about it. And actually Sam might've mentioned it from set was the, the, that beat where, uh, Malcolm's like, Marie, uh, Marie, are you angry? Marie, you're angry. So that beat, whether uh, he might've mentioned like a little more, that's where it sort of gets hyper a little, uh, where we sort of break up, we break up space and time there in a way that's sort of like, he might've said maybe French new wave. And for me, like I immediately, boom, that's all he needed to say. And I, and I have this backlog of, of sort of like, um, you could say almost that your memory becomes an, a cinematic encyclopedia yeah. of, of like a form a form. And so when you think of form a certain way, then as a practical editor, you try to figure out how to match that form or, or utilize that form or mimic that form in an editorial space. Sure. And so, yeah, I definitely jumped all over that moment. And then, you know, when I thought about, Oh, I was like, okay, it would be really interesting. That moment, the fact that it, you know, it can remind me of, of beats from like anywhere from Jules and Jim to weekend, uh, by Godard, um, that then I'm like, well, you know what? little jazz here might be kind of like, it might be a nice little tip of the hat. So I found like, and then Jen Malone, our music supervisor had provided a bunch of different uh, genres of music. And that Zoot Sims was like, Oh, this is like very, this 50 style jazz. Like, you know, it's like the Charlie Parker in uh, uh 400 blows or, or wait, no, Charlie Parker is in a Louis mall film. I don't remember if it was Charlie Parker, but it was some form of, you know, bebop. That was in, in 400 Blows. And like, I also love, love jazz, bebop, post bop, jazz funk, like whatever, like jazz yeah. fusion, even. <laughs> Me too. Uh, I, I adore jazz. That's, oh, that's awesome. It's, it's, Web report. it's such a, re- oh, they're great. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Wayne Shorter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Zwano, Chaco, yeah. Right? Big, oh, Chaco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so that's, you know, those sorts of rhythms and desires to sort of, um, explore the spaces of your, of, of art 
and music and film that you adore and that's where you want to spend your time right as you create so yeah i'd say like that beat right there malcolm why are you so angry uh with marie is actually the most overt uh reference to to french new wave in the film um but i would say like i'd say a certain attitude and a certain spirit permeates the whole film and and that's that's probably has something to do with new waves all over like french new wave uh czech new wave um american Mm. new wave you know, new, new American cinema, new German cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, I feel like that sort of rebellious spirit where you're sort of wanting to contradict, uh, rigid corporate sort of studio structures and say, look, y- y'all are starting to step away and get too smooth on your algorithms or, or, <laughs> you know, like sort of like spending a lot of money on the same story over and over again. So let's, you know, let's sort of like shake it up. And how do we at once, how do we latch into tradition? How do we utilize tradition, but also iconoclastically, how do you smash some of the idols too? How do you keep it fresh and extend it? So how do you respect the past, but also say, Hey, we want to do something new and fresh right now. And that's, I mean, that's, that's definitely a huge drive like an urge inside you as a, as an artist, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a gift when you get to work on a film like that. I mean, for me that that's, you know, those are the reasons I got into the film business, you know, it's like, or got into editing. So there were some unique challenges uh, on this film being, you know, almost entirely a dialogue film. Uh, Talk about that a little bit. Um, So, you know, it's interesting because when the footage, you know, when I, you know, reading the script, you, uh, I was fully aware that there's lots of dialogue. Um, in, in certain ways, um, I think this is a more extreme version of this scenario, but there were certain things in my wheelhouse uh, from my early, in, like, in, shoestring indie days, right? Mm. Where I, you know, um, from uh, Myth of the American Sleepover, uh, This is Martin Bonner, um, like, these films, like, Myth of the American Sleepover was more visual but then had a sort of sensibility that also had a tip of the hat to the french new wave um a scene with jazz and tip of the hat to french new wave in that film um so um so a lot of my early work i think you know dialogue would have been a little more prominent through certain stretches at least certain scenes sure um so i i had experience in it um and i also I've always taken dialogue very seriously in the sense like, how do you enhance, create oblique understandings of what they're saying? How do you let the subtext permeate the scene um, and take a a unique approach, yet always staying out of the way as far as making sure that the audience gets absorbed into the scene and it's not just cutting to the person who's talking every time. Sure. Although sometimes, sometimes that's exactly what you do. Sometimes that's exactly like you right. just, sometimes that's the most compelling approach. But, um, I've, um, I remember very clearly, um, I forgot her name, um, an editor who worked on the Pacific, which, um, I, I, I still want to see, um, <laughs> but I saw, I saw band of brothers and that was very moving. Um, and, uh, so, and someone asked her about, um, editing all these action scenes and, and, uh, she said, 
uh, you know, actually, it doesn't really affect me much, uh, with all this action because, you know, actually dealing with action scenes is easy. Um, it's dialogue scenes that are really tricky. 100%. And I totally but, agree. Yeah. So for me, it's dialogue can be easy if you approach it in a complacent frame of mind. If you're complacent, if you're lazy as an editor, dialogue scenes easy. Just line cut it. Just line cut it. No problem. But that's that's not that's not where you get that's not where you electrify dialogue. That's not where you create the magnetism where an audience like just gets glued to the scene. Right. So um, her saying that blew my mind because I sort of had a amorphous sort of feeling that I knew that dialogue was interesting and unique to approach. But when she put it in those words, I, I was like, whoa, I was like, absolutely. Like the dialogue has its own sort of set of rules and techniques that you have to employ in order to, to really make it sparkle. Subtleties. Absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, action can be challenging also, especially today where they're shooting with, like, you know, 15 cameras and things like that. But, you know, yeah, that's brutal. Right. But dealing with, you know, basic human, you know, psychology and emotions and imbuing rhythms on them, you know, that's the challenge of the dialogue film for me. Um, alrighty. Well, uh, I just want to say that everybody should see this film. It's beautiful work. Um, you know, they did it during the pandemic. And, you know, now we know that it was a labor of love and, you know, everybody worked for free. And uh, it's, it's, it's a terrific film. Amazing performances uh, and, and beautiful work by, by Julio. So tell us what's next for you. Um, do you have a desire to direct? Um, are you going to keep on cutting on Euphoria this next season? Um, you know, it's it's I like I like that old saying. You know, uh, if you want to make God laugh, make plans, right? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, the the goal and the 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 plan and uh, is to yes work. Uh, you know, once again be uh, supervising editor uh, and then you know co producer. Uh, on uh, on Euphoria season two, um, um, we have these special episodes that just came out, and um, this next season, I'm so like you know so excited about it. Um, so that's that's the idea, um, and I want to cool. yeah we're uh, yeah so so yes next would be Euphoria season two, which would uh, you know take me you know into quite into next year, so sure. it'll it'll be quite the haul. Um, cool, and then. Um, and we'll see. Also, my uh, my other uh, close collaborator, David Robert Mitchell, has a, a film, Heroes and Villains, that I think uh, is um, you know at MGM right now. And I'm not sure when that start date is. Um, uh, the, the rumors were summer, but so we'll see about that. But um, um, I'm it's a I'm super excited about that film. I think it's it's uh, uh, the script is incredible. Um, I, I hope I hope. Uh, I hope it happens and I hope I get to be a part of it. Um, and, uh, so that right there, that's, that's the major things for the future. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty full, full plate. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a glutton right now. Um, but, but, uh, before that it's, it's doing, it's doing just exercise, getting some exercise, getting some rest, <laughs> watching, watching lots of, lot, watching lots of movies, uh, in the, in the meantime and, and series uh, as well. Um, cool. and then with the, 
the directing I'm I'm not um you know I'm not it's not uh, it's not terribly important for me uh in, in the sense that yes I hope to direct but like little like little uh like little uh, short films on the side like on like on the weekend like do like a little ditty um with some friends or something like that but um as far as on a on a large scale um I I I love editing so uh so I'd say uh, it would have to be a, a lightning in the bottle perfection uh, for for an editorial role to seem attractive to me because um, I just, to be honest, I just I love what I do. So I, I, uh, it would be, I, I get it. it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I was never I was never driven by that too much either. Um, well, listen, man, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And congratulations on on Euphoria and uh, and and Malcolm and Marie, uh, great projects and uh, congratulations to Sam. I mean, just fantastic work, uh, so fresh and bold, and uh, you should be proud of the work. Thanks so much, Larry. I I, I really appreciate uh, those those uh, you know those kind words and. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm grateful every day that I'm, I'm getting to work on, on material like this. So I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate you, your time, and, and your questions. And this has been a lot of fun. Cool, man. Can't wait to see season two. <laughs> yeah, that'll be exciting. Be well. <laughs>